I think uh, this feels like a completely different camp because I think we've got a, a legitimate shot to win the division this year. <laughs> man, oh man, if that does not get you pumped, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. Welcome in to the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr, your second hen expert. Those words that you heard to begin this episode was Joey Votto from the goat's mouth himself talking to the camera at spring training. He's feeling pretty good about the team. This time last year, we were talking about how Joey Votto may have been a little frustrated. Maybe he was looking forward to a cut, you know, looking forward a couple of years, and if things hadn't changed, he'd be looking for a way out. Now he's talking about division championships. Things are looking pretty good in Goodyear, and we're a few days away from games. Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the podcast. Today on tap for you, I've got a thought about tanking, and I'm sure you're tired of that word. But I kind of wanted to flesh it out a little bit on today's show. Also, later on, we'll look at some news and notes. The Reds made a signing, and we're also talking about some future rumors that maybe are a little bit ahead of ourselves in regards to a few of the new guys that were acquired this season but they're worth talking about. Before we get to that, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Check us out on social media at Lockdown Reds and my personal Twitter account at Jeff Carr with three Fs. Also, head on over to Lockdown Reds. We've just got a few new writers that have been onboarded, if you will. We're going to start seeing some articles here soon. I'm very excited for the content that they will be bringing to the Lockdown Reds website, and it's going to be a phenomenal place, a, a great resource for all Reds fans to check out some great content on their favorite team. So, what I mentioned, looking at tanking, and I know that's been a dirty word in just about every sport, because there have been a few franchises who are seen as really the poster child for the idea. We're talking about the Astros and the Cubs, how they went through years of obscurity, and now they are part of the perennial favorites. I mean, the you know we, we talked yesterday on the podcast how odds makers have come out with their odds for each team to win their prospective division. The AL West, according to odds makers, is the Astros to lose. They are favored you know, by a wide margin to win that division. So, and and I know the Cubs are kind of up and down as far as their projections are concerned, but still they are considered one of the better teams in Major League Baseball. And it's because they both went through a period where they just, you know, for all intents and purposes, not the people, not the players on the field, but the front office people, kind of punted a few seasons, right? You know, they didn't bring in a ton of talent. They didn't bring in the guys that you're saying, okay, you're making the team better by this move. They may have brought in placeholders, but, you know, for the most part, anyone who knew much about the team and who knew much about baseball and how you succeed year in and year out looked at these different signings and were like, 
this isn't doing anything for them. Does that sound familiar? Last few years we've been going through that, and now this year, all of a sudden the front office has really come out strong with some awesome moves. I commend them very much so for flipping all of our viewpoint of the Reds. I mean, on October 1st, we were looking at this team like, boy, oh boy, this is going to be a toughie. And now we're just, you know, you heard it at the beginning of the show, Joey Votto's talking about a division championship run. But what got me thinking this was this morning, which it was a rerun of last night's MLB Tonight, but I was watching the MLB Network, and they had Dan O'Dowd, former Rockies general manager, and he also worked in the Indians front office back in the 90s. And he was talking about the idea of tanking. And what he said, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to read this quote, said, I went through this in Cleveland. I mean, we were really bad for a long period of time, and we had one of the lowest payrolls in the league. But what came out of it was those mid-90s Indians teams. If you're not sure what he's talking about, go check it out on Baseball Reference or just look it up. I mean, we're talking about amazing baseball teams that, sure, they didn't reach the pinnacle like they wanted to. They didn't get that World Series ring, but they were constantly, for a good five or six years there, Year in, year out, they were favorites, not only to win their division, but they were favorites to contend for the American League. And he's he's saying that it was all built by these years of just not cool baseball. And Matt Vaskersian kind of pushed, and he asked him, he said, can you admit now then that you spent seasons where you weren't trying to win? And and he replied, he said, I I didn't want to lose. I'll say that. I did not want to lose. But I also didn't want to make any decisions that might have felt good at the moment, but jeopardized our long-term success. He went on to say, what is different about today is the media coverage, the constant just pressure from the media. Every aspect of the process is known. People know what front offices are looking at. People know where they're getting their information from. It's not a secret. And the thing is, When it comes to Major League Baseball front offices, if they spend a dollar, they want a dollar fifty in return. Which we saw that. I mean, I I mentioned that with the Marlins idea of trading JT Realmuto. In the beginning, they were asking teams for their best players. And why shouldn't they? They got every right to do that because JT Realmuto was definitely their best player. But the idea that you know teams aren't shelling out the reason they're not doing that is because they don't want that one-off year you know actually the marlins are a pretty good example in this i mean you think they sure they have two world series to show for it in the last 20 years but what happened directly after those world series they just completely cleaned house they were one and done right and i don't know exactly the whole rationale behind that I'm not a front office expert by any means. But as soon as they had their success, they began to rebuild. And for whatever reason that was, that caused them to not have long-term success. And Dan O'Dowd said that on MLB Tonight. He's like, I didn't want that. I didn't want you know, short-term gains at the expense of long-term losses. Because think about it. And be honest with yourself. You know, you would say, I would take the World Series ring right now because we haven't had one since 1990. But can you really say that if in 2019 
the Reds win the World Series, that you would be okay if they went for another five years after that without even making the playoffs. That's a really tough trade-off, man, and I'm not here to be hot-takey about that and say, oh, yes, I would much rather have the World Series ring, or no, I don't want the World Series ring. What, are you kidding me? But it's just it's tough to say let's mortgage this year. That's why they didn't trade Nick Senzel. That's why they didn't t- trade Taylor Trammell or Hunter Green. or I mean, you know, they offered up Jonathan India, but something tells me that – you know, the, the Marlins were looking at the Reds' prospect list, and they said, okay, well, Jonathan India isn't your best prospect, so your next prospect in the deal is going to have to be pretty good. Maybe they wanted Tony Santillan or something like that. And then the Reds would again say, no, I could totally see that being the case. Now, I don't have any sort of evidence or information to say that that's what happened, but when I when I look at what Dan O'Dowd said, and when I apply it to the Reds, it makes absolute logical sense to see what they've done this year because they've made good moves. And, in fact, Keith Law was on ESPN 1530 talking to Mo Egger last week, and he said he didn't like the moves. And, you know, obviously there was a lot of pushback. A lot of callers called into the show to say how silly Keith Law sounded and, you know, other things. But he said he didn't like the move because he didn't think they could – contend for a division title this season so why did they you know go all out and they didn't go all out I I think they're still in a beautiful position to succeed for the years to come and part of that has to do with what I'm going to tell you here in the second half of the show I got to take a quick break for a few ads we'll come right back to the Locked On Reds podcast here on this Tuesday show stick with me Spring training baseball is coming. That's right, Reds fans. Out in Arizona, Cactus League spring training action is upon us. Are you wanting to get out of the cold? Are you like me and you live in the frigid state of Ohio that whenever the temperature gets above 30, we have a party outside on our patio? Arizona is just warmer. It's nicer. There's much better weather out there, and the Reds will be playing baseball soon. So, We're talking about Cactus League spring training because Arizona is the home base for baseball fans. We're talking about 15 Major League Baseball teams, including your Cincinnati Reds, in a 50-mile radius of Greater Phoenix. You've got great restaurants in the Phoenix area that are nationally renowned. You've got amazing places to visit. We're talking bucket list items like the Grand Canyon. If you've ra- you know, raise your hand if you've seen the Grand Canyon. I can't see it obviously, but hey, if you haven't, why not go take a trip, see some Reds baseball and see the Grand Canyon. I mean, that's a pretty good deal right there. So, if you're like me and you think that is an awesome deal, head on over to visitarizona.com/springtraining to start your trip planning today because the games begin this Saturday. That's right. Just a few days away. We've got, you know, a few weeks in Arizona before they come back to Cincinnati. What better reason to go check out the great western state of Arizona than to go see the Reds play some baseball. That's right. Reds baseball, Grand Canyon, warm temperatures. What more could you want? Go to visitarizona.com slash spring training today. You're listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast on this Tuesday. In the first half, I talked about the tanking and baseball and all of that good stuff and some thoughts there. And it leads into what I'm thinking here in the second half. I just saw an article posted 
on the Inquirer by Bob Nightingale talking about the idea. He he asked Yasiel Puig, would you be receptive to an extension? And Yasiel Puig's answer, and I'm telling you what, if you haven't bought in, if you haven't seen Puig mania yet this, you know, this, this winter, then you're missing out. Because it's just getting me so excited. Every time they talk to Yasiel Puig, I cannot wait for baseball to happen in Great American Ballpark because he's going to be so much fun to watch. He's already a fan favorite, and he hasn't even taken a swing in a Reds uniform yet, you know, outside of batting practice during spring training or anything like that. But Bob Nightingale asked him about that, and he said, if the money is right, I will play here as long as they want me here. He says, I love Ohio, and I look good in red. I mean, come on. Yasiel Puig is a rock star. That number 66, I, I hope he wears that for a long time. I hope eventually it's in the Reds Hall of Fame. And that's just a baseline idea. I'm not going to flesh out the entire idea of Yasiel Puig signing a long-term deal with the Reds here. But this is kind of a baseline to carry throughout the season and to monitor. But it really sounds like, and you know, he was in Cincinnati a few weeks back doing house shopping. So it looks like he really wants to hang out here at least for, you know, longer than eight months. So maybe we get a deal done. Maybe he is a Red for a long period of time. Who knows? That would be phenomenal but definitely keep it you know keep one eye on that throughout the season and then also I saw today that the Reds had signed a guy to a minor league contract with an invite to spring training the Reds signed Derek Dietrich today to a minor league deal with an invite to big league camp and you know a chance to make the roster this season it was interesting because the Marlins let him go in lieu of paying him a four million dollar Raise and reports are that if he is to make the Reds roster by opening day or you know become part of the major league team, his deal would essentially be a two million dollar deal, and he would be he'd be the utility guy on the bench, which is interesting because it sounds like we have a couple of guys who could profile as utility players, so maybe they're just bringing in some more options. I mean, Dietrich, he's okay. His numbers don't lend to someone being of you know, crazy numbers. He hit 16 home runs last season with 45 RBIs and 149 games played. And he profiles, according to baseball reference, as a second baseman, left fielder, and third baseman. So he's got the ability to move around the diamond with little uh, lag. You know, he doesn't seem to be too adverse to playing different positions. In fact, last season, baseball reference shows that he played right field, first base, second base, um, looks like even some uh, third base, and then left field. So, you know, both corner outfield spots and everywhere but shortstop and catcher and center field. So just, you know, not up the middle but on the corner spots. He's a great utility guy. So it could be a nice little signing there for the Reds. I He's just another name to throw in there for those bench spot ideas. And I like that the Reds are just leaving no stone unturned. They're not looking at a specific guy and saying, well, you know, we already got this guy and this guy. We can't sign him because we've already got guys. He's, you know, Dick Williams and Nick Crawl, those guys are saying, looking at the roster and saying, hey, we could sign a guy. He might be better. Who knows? So they're going to give him the shot to be better. But that's not, you know, it's not a high-profile signing by any means. Obviously, minor league deal to invite to spring training. 
we'll see how it pans out. Maybe he doesn't even make the roster and this isn't any more than just some time kilt on a daily podcast. But <laughs> who knows? We'll see what happens with Derek Dietrich and the Reds here in 2019. But I am excited. Not you know, Derek Dietrich's all nice and all, but Joey Votto's comments, uh, Yasiel Puig's comments, and then just looking at the team as a whole, it's great. You know, they've all reported, and there's just constant articles being turned out by C. Trent Rosecrans, by Bob Nightingale, The Inquirer, The Athletic, John Fay's writing. I mean, Mark Sheldon's writing. It's just everywhere you look, there's great content. Don't have to look too far, and I love it. Baseball is almost here. Love that spring training is rolling and rocking, and we'll be all over it here on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Tomorrow we'll have more information from spring training, more updates on the players, and you know, nice interviews and all the good stuff that come out of Goodyear, Arizona. You were listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Check us out on social media at Locked On Reds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And look us up on our website at LockedOnReds.com. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.